Today on We Here, friends of Amy Harwick, Drew Carey's ex-fiance, are telling Page Six that her alleged murderer was stalking her weeks ago. Ben Affleck is telling all about his sobriety, divorce, and that tattoo in a new profile. But it all sounds familiar. And Steve Madden goes on a fashion rant. Coming up next on We Here. Oh my God. We're on Page Six? No. Oh. No. Yeah. Another divorce splashed across Page Six. Page Six would have a field day. Hey there, I'm Maggie Coglin, And I'm Ian Moore, and welcome to We Hear, a Page Six podcast. We hear all the celebrity dirt from our exclusive sources, and you hear the story behind the story. Maggie, today we do have a story behind the story, but it's pretty disturbing, I have to say. So we're learning more and more about the tragic death of Amy Harwick who was allegedly killed by an ex-boyfriend. Amy Harwick was a sex therapist and author. She had published a book called The New Sex Bible for Women, and she also appeared in a documentary called Addicted to Sexting. She was only 38 years old at the time of her death. Yeah, Maggie, so Drew Carey's ex-fiance, who was thrown allegedly off a balcony on Saturday night by a potential stalker, we're learning that just a couple weeks before she died, this guy who's been arrested by the police and now released on $2 million bail, that he showed up at this sort of star-studded porn awards show that she was at. She's a sex therapist. Mm -hmm. And that he was harassing her at the show. Her friends are even saying that she went to the police and told them about his behavior, that she sort of talked to him at the show and was trying to calm him down, but that the cops didn't do anything. And they're saying that this could have maybe prevented her death Mm. if the cops had gotten involved in this a little bit sooner and that this guy was acting weird at the show after years of allegedly stalking her. She had had a restraining order out against him, which had just expired. And then he just showed up at the show that seems to have re-engaged his obsession with her. Right. They were involved romantically, I believe, in 2006, 2007, 2008. And then in 2012, she filed for a restraining order. So this was years in the making that this man was allegedly tormenting her. Right. And in the restraining order, there's some pretty disturbing allegations about she says that he had physically attacked her before. Like this wasn't just, you know, weird phone calls or sort of stalkerish behavior, but that he had actually assaulted her Mm -hmm. Um, and their restraining order had just run out. So basically she shows up at this show, which was called the, it was in downtown LA. It's called X biz. It was Mm -hmm. hosted by Stormy Daniels. You remember her from the whole sort of Donald Trump um, scandal. So Stormy Daniels was hosting this and Jasmine St. Clair, who's a former porn star who used to appear on the Howard Stern show a lot. I remember back in the day exclusively told uh, our own Emily Smith that, of this guy Gareth Pursehouse being at the show that he knew Amy was going to be at XBiz. He stalked her there and went bat bleep crazy, I'll just say. He was at the awards working as a photographer, but his behavior was abusive and threatening. So even at the show, you know, there were some warning signs. Uh, St. Clair told Emily he was yelling and screaming. Amy told me after the incident that she was scared he would show up at her home. She went to the police, but they did not take it seriously. He was really obsessive over her, controlling. And we have video actually posted on page6.com that shows the red carpet. And off to the side, you can actually see this guy, Gareth Pursehouse, and he's standing there taking photos of the red carpet you know, smiling. In the video, he's not acting 
bizarrely, he actually seems to be smiling and, you know, but it's just, it's really disturbing that this was the precursor to her death. It's incredibly disturbing to say that she had reservations about this man being near her. Yeah, and he did. You know, she was where he was going to show up at her home. He did. According to the LAPD, there were signs of forced entry into the home and of a struggle. You know, he was arrested and charged with murder. She died from blunt force injuries of the head and torso after being attacked in the home. According to the L.A. County Medical Examiner, there was evidence of manual strangulation. So at this point, Jasmine St. Clair and some other friends who were at the award show and also corroborated that this guy's behavior was like very threatening and intense are saying that the laws need to be changed. They're trying to get action. So they're coming out and talking more about this guy and and their relationship. And uh, they feel like their friend could have been saved if something had been done. And Drew Carey has even tweeted a link to a petition to revisit the expiration of restraining orders. So maybe they don't expire. People are working towards changing the limitations of a restraining order. Yeah, Drew Carey is saying he's totally devastated by this loss, you know, even though he had dated Harwick for just under a year, but, you know, they were engaged. They had actually met in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. at a DJ Cascade show. So it also shows that, you know, she was a sort of family and sex therapist, but she obviously was kind of on the scene if she was at electric daisy carnival in las vegas she's at this porn awards the guy purse house as i said he's out on bail so i think the the next chapter in this is obviously people are going to be following him and we'll see what he has to say in the meantime fans are also dredging up some posts that he had put on social media over the years including one thing where he was like laughing about a scene on Game of Thrones, where one character was thrown off a building, basically, and sort of laughing about it. It looked like the writing was on the wall. Wow. He's due in court on March 10th, so we will follow the story and see what happens. There's a new interview with Ben Affleck out. It's part of his promotional tour for his new movie, The Way Back, and he is talking about everything from addictive behavior to his divorce to that giant tattoo on his back of a phoenix. Yeah, Maggie. So this interview was with the New York Times. And I have to say, I there's some things in it that I found to be the most interesting that I don't think uh, most people would find to be the most interesting mm-hmm. because like, you know, it starts out saying, warning, this is not one of those celebrity profiles that uses a teaspoon of new information to flavor a barrel of ancient history. Actually, it is. <laughs> It's a, it, I, it might be less than a teaspoon, I think. What did you um, find? The teaspoon there's no paragraph where the star and writer pretend to be pals gag while doing an everyday person activity. Well, that's good. Spare us that. What was everyone eating? Who cares exactly? Yeah. But then it says, this is Ben Affleck, raw and vulnerable, talking extensively for the first time about getting sober, parentheses again, and trying to recalibrate his career Parentheses again. So the main part of this article, I think, is the parentheses again, because less than a year ago, he did talk very candidly about getting sober on the Today Show. So I don't see how this is at all new. Less than a year ago, hello, he he talked about getting sober on the Today Show. Yeah. Like, so I don't see how that's new. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that's new is that on Halloween of this year, he was videoed stumbling around drunk in the street, you know, right. and now it's like another revealing interview. 
he talks about, I drank relatively normally for a long time. What happened was that I started drinking more and more when my marriage was falling apart. By the way, I'm not taking away anything from what he's saying. Right. I think everything he's saying is totally valid and I totally like relate to it. But I just think that it's the times putting this out there is this explosive new interview where he's never discussed this is just like, that's what this is. This whole thing is a parenthetical again retread. Well, you might remember in 2016, Jennifer Garner was on the cover of Vanity Fair and she gave a very good interview about the Ben Affleck split. And I feel like I learned more about their relationship in that. Like in one graph alone from Jennifer Garner, I got more than I got from this entire Ben Affleck. That is such a great point, Maggie. You're so right. That Jennifer Garner interview was much more revealing. Ben Affleck has a movie to promote. I'm thrilled for anyone being transparent about their issues. I think it's part of life. You know, I... We'd like to see growth in people. It's not easy being a human. But I've heard this Tell before. Me about it, Max. For me, the big takeaway was that he said his biggest regret was the Jennifer Garner divorce. In the Times piece. In the he Times said, piece. Yes, right. In 2016, she already said this. She was basically like, My marriage was a lot of work. I worked at it and it wasn't enough. Right. And in this article, that's true. So you felt that one revelation in this mm-hmm. is that he does say his biggest regret in life is divorcing Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Which is a bit of a bombshell, I guess, but maybe, I don't know. Well, the thing is, it it was a bombshell because it shows that he has gained perspective in the years since they've been apart. He was involved with all these other women, and it seemed like he was kind of freewheeling and throwing caution to the wind. And, like, let's not forget, Jennifer Garner played a huge part in getting him to rehab. You know, she was invested in his health and his life, despite whatever he had done to her within the confines of their relationship. Right. And he is, as you say, he's promoting a film. Mm -hmm. And obviously I think that because the movie has some themes uh, that coincide with his real life, I guess people would assume that it's sort of autobiographical. So this is kind of getting out in front of that. Mm -hmm. There are a couple other revelations, though, as you say, like he does explain why he dropped out of the Batman franchise, at least from his perspective. And remember, he was supposed to, he was writing the script. He was, he starred in a Batman movie, then he was going to be in the next one. And then he was actually working on the script. And he says in this Times piece that he showed the script to a friend of his. They said they thought it was good, but that if he went through with it, he would end up drinking himself to death Mm -hmm. after going through what he had done on the last Batman film. Because he'd been in a bad place. I think, I mean, maybe that's a revelation in terms of him publicly saying that. Mm -hmm. But I think it was pretty obvious, like, to the the public, right, Mm -hmm. that that's why he wasn't in the next Batman movie. What I thought was the most interesting thing in the article, which was kind of buried in it, was, you remember this whole controversy over his back tattoo? Yes. And it's like, why did this have to go on for so long? (laughs) I feel like he could have just, you know, admitted this sooner. So basically, right, he had been photographed on the beach with a gigantic back piece, like a huge dragon tattoo, right? And I it, thought it was a phoenix. Like, Oh, sorry, you're right. Re- you're right. Representing rising from the dragon. ashes, you know, all this. Right. It was a phoenix rising from the ashes. and But you're right. Once again, Maggie, you're right again. Jennifer Garner already addressed this goddamn back tattoo in the Vanity Fair piece, right? She said, right, that she took it so personally, remember? Oh. Because she said, if that's the phoenix rising from the ashes, what am I? Like the ashes? Mm. That he was... Ri- So let me tell you, Jennifer Garner is winning because she has all these endorsements. She's making that Capital One money and she's winning in the court of public opinion. And I hate to be someone who's like, who's winning a breakup? But I'm like, 
She said her piece. She's helped out her ex-husband. They seem to be co-parenting. That's that. I hope this doesn't I hope happen she to love. us, Maggie, when we go our separate ways for our own solo podcast projects. <laughs> Just don't get photographed you're, you're, on the beach, Ian. <laughs> hey, I, well, that's that's not going to be a problem. I wear a blazer to the beach. I wear like a cashmere blazer I would to the beach and a bathing suit. You know, but with this fake tattoo, and I guess it just never washed off. But then he tells the New York Times, he said, I resented that somebody got a picture of it by spying on me. Felt invasive. But you're right. I could have said, that's none of your business. I guess I got a kick out of messing with extra. Hmm. Weird. Is your tattoo real or not real? Of course it's real. No, I put a fake tattoo on my back and then hit it. I mean, so it's just like, first of all, I actually was always of the opinion that the tattoo wasn't that bad. I kind of like the tattoo. I guess people thought, what, that it was like creepy or something to have like a I thought it was cool. I, I liked it. I thought it was shocked. a well done tattoo. They were it's just like, surprised. Dude, like it's totally fine. It's not like the rumor that Dolly Parton has all these tattoos. Have you heard that one that she's got? I, I guess it's not a rumor. She's talked about it before that she has some butterfly tattoos. And people are always like, what? Dolly Parton has tattoos? Ugh. I imagine with Ben Affleck, people were just shocked that he had such a large piece on his back. I guess so. I just also think that it's um, this piece is sort of trying to take a play from the Bradisance playbook. Mm. Okay. Because if you look at Brad Pitt, you know, he had a movie to promote Once Upon a Time in dot, dot, dot Hollywood. Um, and he had had these issues. Angelina Jolie, the breakup, the war over that, um, his own addiction issues. And during the promotion of that film and into award season, you know, he revealed his own um, alcoholism, mm -hmm. his, his um, addiction battle. And uh, he got support. It's funny, Bradley Cooper's name checked in this Times mm -hmm. piece. Bradley Cooper name checked in the Bradisance. Um, you know, he mentioned he had help from Anthony Hopkins, etc. And that all really worked out. And it seems like maybe he's segueing back into that area and if he can get away from the thing. But I say be proud of the tattoo. Be proud of your journey, Ben Affleck. There's drama in the fashion world, and it's between Steve Madden and Stacey Bendis. I knew something was going to happen at New York Fashion Week eventually. It's just that it didn't happen in New York Fashion Week. <laughs> it happened a week after New York Fashion Week in Boca Raton, Florida. There was finally something happened. Is, no, is there was nothing sacred? How dare you bring that energy Boca. to Boca? There was a fashion confrontation in Boca. Boca is where I want to be wearing a caftan, sipping on a large iced tea, and sunning myself, not getting into fights over trademarks never, and logos and fashion. I've never been to Boca. Oh my God, it's fantastic. It's an oasis. So what happened? This was in the lobby of a hotel mm -hmm. where Steve Madden, the shoe guru, Shuru. the shuru was staying or hanging out, and Stacey Bendit, who is the designer behind the brand Alice and Olivia, mm -hmm. the hot fashion brand, I guess ran into him there in the lobby and um, confronted Steve Madden for allegedly copying uh, her designs. Basically, these two had been in a legal dispute. Back in 2018, Alice and Olivia sued Madden's 
label Betsy Johnson. So Steve mm-hmm. Madden, he's got his Steve Madden shoes, but he owns a bunch of other yeah. brands as well. We had reported that he was even trying to buy Barney's. Right. Go, going bankrupt. Um, he owns Betsy Johnson. And apparently, Betsy Johnson came out with a line of handbags that featured a, a face design on it that was allegedly similar to Bendit's signature Stace Face design. Stace Face? Yes. Stacey. Stace Face. Mm-hmm. Remember, um, remember the band Haim? Of course. What do you mean, remember? They're still around. They had a thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm so cutting edge, Maggie, that bands that are still around, in my mind, are over, they're, they're broken up. I feel and like they're gone. touring, like probably right now. They had now. a thing I remember called Bass Face. Oh. The bassist for Haim had a thing called Bass Face that she would do. Cool. But this is Stace Face. Yeah. So it was on this bag. Now, the case was settled, but apparently the dispute raged on in Boca. What happened, Maggie? <laughs> So they see each other in this hotel lobby, and uh, words are exchanged. Right. So, so I guess Stacy Bennett, once Steve Madden started allegedly verbally launching into a tirade, launching into a tirade, she whipped out her phone and started uh, videotaping the exchange. Mm-hmm. Do people say videotape anymore? Is Recording. There videotape? Recording the exchange. And she called it an example of bullying, copying, and overall disrespect towards creativity and women. Right. So apparently he said, as you can hear in the clip, you can go bleep yourself. He also told her, you copy all the time. This is very playground, (laughs) fashion playground. You copy all the time. But we were making faces way before you. Hmm. But now, after this video went viral... Mm. of this verbal exchange and verbal assault, she says, Steve Madden has apologized. He told Page Six's Mara Siegler exclusively, I'm sorry for losing my temper with Stacy. I have the utmost respect for her. I was raised better than that. Bendit, however, doesn't seem to be accepting the apology. Bendit commented, as a woman... It is important to defend yourself, to stand up for yourself, and to be an example to other women so that they know it is never okay to be bullied or intimidated by a man. It sounded like things got pretty heated. Yeah, and Steve Madden. Now, I I know him as sort of like a personality, Mm -hmm. but I'm not really – and I remember like some of his ads. Like I remember there was one ad that still haunts me today. There was a Steve Madden ad of like – a woman with this distorted giant lollipop head walking a chicken. Yes, I walking remember a chicken. that. It was like, hey, little hail. <laughs> chicken soundtrack. That's what I had. <laughs> and then I jolt up at three <laughs> in the morning. Ah! Wakes you um, out of your sleep. I think it's worth pointing out that he's been in the business for a long time and has had quite a career. He's working on a book right now called The Cobbler, How I Disrupted an Industry, Fell from Grace, and Came Back Stronger Than Ever. Now, you might remember that Steve Madden served time. Right. Wasn't it connected to the whole Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort thing somehow? I think so. Or he had been a, he had been involved with Jordan Belfort? Let's see. The Wolf of Wall Street? In 2002, he was convicted of stock manipulation, money, and securities fraud. He was sentenced to 41 months in prison and then made to resign as CEO from Steve Madden Limited, you know, his own company. Well, now the other shoe is dropping with this Stacey Bennett thing. But he has made a, a big comeback, though, mm-hmm. right? I mean, He was released in 2005. He, his company quickly rebounded. Right. 
And I mean, they own a bunch of other popular mm-hmm. brands like um, Betsy Johnson. And you mentioned he's working on this book called The Cobbler. I'm just hoping that it's better than the Adam Sandler movie, The Cobbler. I didn't even know about Did that. Did you that? Okay. No. Or you know what would be great? I wish it was a book about desserts. <laughs> the Cobbler. I mean, yeah, I'm just hungry. 2015? The, okay, 2014 Adam Sandler movie. I was working here Yes. Then. A cobbler, bored of his everyday life, stumbles upon a magical heirloom that allows him to become other people and see the world in a different way. It was just a total disaster. I think it was like one of the worst movies of all time. And oddly, it was directed by Tom McCarthy, who is the, um, he directed The Station Agent with yes. Peter Dinklage. And he also played, did you watch The Wire? No, I didn't. Oh my, what? That's one of my pop culture blind spots that I've never seen. It. Oh, you know what's it's weird be a good though? Project I for me. envy you. Because I, I get to watch you. it for the first time. I wish I had never seen The Wire so I could watch it for the first time. The Wire is the only thing, like TV show, movie, anything in the world, that no one can oversell. So like if mm. I tell you The Wire is the best thing you've ever seen on TV, it doesn't matter. Like you watch it and you're like, oh, it is the best thing I've ever seen on TV. It's so good. Because you know why? It transcends TV. It's like art. It is like literally on the level of Shakespeare. Anyway, wow, so I can't wait now. Tom McCarthy plays a character on The Wire. I have seen The, the Station Agent, though. <laughs> That's impressive. In my defense. That's very <laughs> impressive. I think it was Patricia Clarkson and Peter Dinklage. Bobby Cannavale? Bobby Cannavale. Oh, my God. This my is like the Sundance podcast. Yeah. So hopefully the book is better than the movie. I think it will be not so sure that it will be as tasty as a delicious peach cobbler. I wonder if they'll about? give Steve Madden's book the movie treatment. Oh. Wouldn't that be interesting? Wolf of Wall Street 2. Electric Boogaloo. Well, that's it for this episode of We Here. Our show is produced by Jamila Zara Williams and Melissa Caceres. We'd love to hear your questions and your ideas for the show. Is there a celebrity you're dying for us to dish on? Email your hot takes to us at podcasts at nypost.com. And to hear the latest We Hear episodes, be sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred platforms. Don't forget to leave us a review. We'll be back next week with more Page Six exclusives. See you then.